So that's loads of reasons why today is a special Sunday or a special week coming up. But do any, do any of you guys know why, why else today is a special Sunday? It's the start of Easter week, yeah. It's got a special name. Palm Sunday. Start, Pam, stand up. A big cheer for Pam for Palm Sunday. Hey! Thank you very much, Pam. That only works with certain accents. I did warn her in advance and I asked. I didn't want to put her on the spot. It's not that kind of Palm Sunday. There's an L in it. There's, there it it's P-A-L-M, isn't it? So, so I brought my Pam with me. This one's an old one. And this is another one that, that replaced it. It's like a kind of iPod-y type thing, but, but they're both flat. They don't work. And it's just as well, because it's not that kind of Palm Sunday either. It's Palm Sunday from the Bible. And you'll be hearing more about it in junior church. But it's when we remember the only occasion in the Bible of an incidence of Grand Theft Donkey. <laughs> and it's when Jesus... Eh? You get it? Good. It's always good when people get your jokes. It doesn't happen to me very often, though. Uh, so, yeah, so in, in junior church, you'll be hearing more about what Palm Sunday is and, and why it's special and why it's important. Uh, the rest of us won't, but never mind. Yeah, I, I didn't forget the Palm Crosses. I just thought, if kids are anything like I was, then reducing the opportunity for palm, palm cross sword fights in junior church would be a good thing so we'll give them out later on uh, can I ask Rachel and Janet to bring us our readings please first reading this morning is from Luke chapter 19 verses 28 to 40 after Jesus said this he went on ahead of them to Jerusalem as he came near Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead with these instructions. Go to the village there ahead of you. As you go in, you will find a colt tied up that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks you why you are untying it, tell him that the master needs it. They went on their way and found everything just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying it? The master needs it, they answered, and they took the colt to Jesus. Then they threw their cloaks over the animal and helped Jesus get on. As he rode on, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near Jerusalem, at the place where the road went down the Mount of Olives, the large crowd of his disciples began to thank God and praise him in loud voices for all the great things that they had seen. God bless the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to God. Then some of the Pharisees in the crowd spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said, command your disciples to be quiet. Jesus answered, I tell you that if they keep quiet, the stones themselves will start shouting. The second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 23. It's entitled, A Tree and Its Fruits. Watch out for false prophets. 
They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did, not, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out the demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Just say a short prayer. Lord, I just ask that you will speak to us this morning through what I'm going to say, that the words that I speak will be your words, the words that you want me to say. In Jesus' name. I'm really nervous this morning. I don't know why. Probably because Ethan's here or something. I don't know. <laughs> My biggest critic. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been great to be there at, at, at Palm Sunday. I mean, I, th- I think that quite a lot about about most of the sort of the New Testament and and the the, the sort of the the story, particularly the stories about Jesus. And you think, wouldn't it have been great to be? Maybe not one of the 12 disciples, because I'm not quite <coughs> worthy of that, but then I guess they probably didn't think that either. But just to have been there and seen the miracles that Jesus did and to see the way people reacted around him and to see, to see that, you know, to see where... Obviously, didn't, they didn't steal the donkey. Um, it was just a joke for the, for the kids to try and keep them interested. <laughs> but um, but to, to see how people would willingly let, let them sort of take the donkey... And the way folk just sort of spontaneously just kind of threw their coats in front of the ground, in the ground in front of them to sort of create a, a pathway for them to ride along. And he came in like a, like a king. Am I being heckled there? The back? Yeah. <laughs> and you think it would have been fantastic to see that. To see all these people cheering. To see the, the fact that the, the place was so alive with, with God's spirit that Jesus said, if the people didn't cheer, the rocks would cheer. Now, that's impressive. Can you imagine if we turned up to church one morning and none of us quite felt like singing, so the building sang instead? <laughs> it does make some odd noises sometimes. In fact, I was, I was sort of down there somewhere. I won't go into graphic detail. But it sounded like bagpipes <laughs> coming from somewhere. Sort of strange kind of noise. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I told you I was nervous. I ramble when I'm nervous, even more so than usual. The thing about Palm Sunday, though, that really puzzles me, I don't know about you, but I get puzzled by the fact that 
On this Sunday, as we remember it, I assume it was a Sunday, therefore, everybody was cheering, and everyone was praising God and singing praises to God and to Jesus and shouting and waving palm branches because they didn't have any flags, so they just ripped palm branches off trees because they wanted to cheer and wave for Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And then less than a week later, the same people were obeying mob, shouting, crucify him. How fickle are this lot? Seriously. How can, how can you go from hurrah, yeah, to crucify him? It's not even like he lost 4-0 to St. Mirren in the, in the meantime. <laughs> I mean, we know how, how easily football fans can turn on managers and one minute they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and then one bad result later they're, they're out on their ear. But Jesus continued performing miracles while he was in Jerusalem and preaching and people were still flocking and then the next thing you know they're, they're all shouting crucify him and I, I, I sort of struggle to sort of understand that and I, and I think that's just really odd and then I remembered something that Andrew mentioned because he nicked it off me when I mentioned it to him that I was going to talk about this Sunday so I'm claiming it that in the passion of the Christ in the scene where the nail in Jesus to the cross, you, there's a sort of close-up shot of, of a hand holding the nail and the hand holding the hammer coming in and nailing the hammer in. And that's Mel Gibson's hands. He was directing it and he, he's quite a devout Roman Catholic. He has moments of lapse, like we all do. But he said that he wanted him to be the one holding the nail and hammering the nail in because he was as responsible for Jesus being nailed to the cross as the Roman soldier who actually did the nailing. Because his sins were as responsible for Jesus being crucified. And earlier this week, I was, I was in Edinburgh uh, for, a, for a, family well, a family funeral. Um, it was my, my granny's cousin, which is a bit difficult to explain to people. You know, they say, who are you? Why are you here? My, my granny was our cousin. Uh, but my mum was quite close to her. And one of the songs we sang, which was, which was one of Jesse's favourites, was how deep the Father's love for us. And the second verse is, Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I'm moving into Friday's territory here, I suppose. But going back to the point of, of how fickle are these people from praising God on Palm Sunday to shouting for him to be crucified on Good Friday. Don't we do exactly the same thing on a daily basis? We come into church, perhaps on a Sunday morning, and we sing, sing praises, and we, we start by asking for forgiveness because we've already mucked up earlier in the week. And we sing God's praises, and we, and we, and we, and we mean it. We absolutely mean it, I hope. And yet, if we're lucky we'll get outside the door 
before we've done something else. I'm quite capable of having mucked things up before I even get back to my seat. We, we praise God as if it was Palm Sunday. And then we go out and we do something that effectively nails Jesus back to the cross all over again. And we do it week in, week out. And we'll continue to do it because we're human. And the great news is that because Jesus was nailed to the cross and because he rose again from the dead, every time we nail him to the cross, we can be forgiven for it. But we've got a lot of activities this week through the church, through Holy Week. We've got the prayer stations being set up in here where you can come and reflect on different things and, and pray. And we'll have treats every morning and we've got events on in the evening. And I'd encourage you to come along and just remember that it often takes us a lot less than a week to go from praising God to saying crucify him. That leads me into to something that, that John mentioned to me a, a few weeks ago and said, oh, I'd be, be good for a sermon, Andy. You should use that for a sermon. So, so I'm using it and he's not here. Uh, he did give me a cold as well, so that was nice. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyone who's done any kind of uh, management training or negotiation skills or anything like that will probably, and probably the rest of us as well, will have been told that whenever you communicate something, only roughly 20% of what you say comes from the words that you use, the verbal communication. And the other 80% comes from body language and all that kind of thing. So... As an example, there's no point me sitting in elders' meeting and going, yeah, that's a great idea, Brian. Yeah, we should really do that. Because Brian will see straight away that I'm not saying, yeah, that's a great idea, Brian. We should do that. So I picked on Brian because I knew he wouldn't mind. The same thing goes for what we say about Jesus. In the second passage, we talked about by your fruits you will by the fruits you will know them. If we spend our time telling people that we're Christians and that what the Bible says is true and that we believe it, but our lives don't follow it up and we're gossiping about people at work and our language lets us down, and we just never seem all that keen on helping people when they need help. We, you know, as, as James says in, in his sort of chapter on, on faith and works, it's no good walking past someone who needs a coat and saying, oh, I see you need a coat, I'll go and pray for you. If, you, if you can give them a coat. If you're not able to give them a coat, or if they're on the other side of the world and you... And, and all, in inverted commas, you can do is pray for them, then definitely, absolutely, pray for them. But if you can do something physical to help someone, you should do it. Because otherwise, it's just words. Martin, I'm not going to burst into it's only words. Don't worry. <laughs> if... We say we're a Christian, 
But we don't live in a way that people can see that we're a Christian. We'd have been better off not saying anything at all. A word of caution on that. Lots of other people have big ideas about what it means to be a Christian that don't necessarily agree with being a Christian. So somebody will really hack you off at work and you'll get angry with them and say, you know, I'm really annoyed with, oh, you're a Christian, you're not supposed to get annoyed with people. Well, I'm, I'm a Christian, not a doormat. So I suppose it, it, it's important that you're clear about what it means to be living as a Christian. But if, if all you do is say you're a Christian and don't live it, you'd have been better off not saying anything because there are too many dot cottons in this world that can quote the Bible backwards, forwards, and inside out, but don't live it, and all they do is put people off. And when you hear people saying Christians are all just hypocrites and they're all phony, it's usually because they've encountered people like that. On the flip side, there's just as little point in being a good person who lives a good life and helps his mum and tidies up after themselves and is really nice to their neighbours and keeps their garden tidy and, and, and gives to charity and oh, what a fantastic person they are if you never actually explain why you do what you do. Now, I know that everybody has different characters and I'm not you're going to laugh now. I'm not particularly uh, outgoing and, and, and outspoken and, and whatever. So I'm not someone who can walk up to people and just sort of tell them about God and things like that. I tend to, the way I tend to work is by, and it's taken me a long time to get here, is to not be ashamed of telling people that I go to church on a Sunday morning or something. You know, at work when people say, what did you do this weekend? I went to church on Sunday rather than sort of, there's, there's another girl in our team who's a Christian, and she's a lot more outgoing than me, and she's invited them all to Alpha and all sorts. Um, none of them went, but... But if, if, if all you ever are is a nice person who does lots of nice things for people and helps people, then in today's society, that's all you'll be seen as, a nice person. Time gone by, people probably would have described you as a Christian, but these days you'll just be a nice person and no one will know why you do what you do. The passage went on and it sort of said, you know, there'll be lots of people that will say that they, they did things in Jesus' name and Jesus will say, well, I never knew you. The Great Commission that he left us with was to go and make disciples of all people. And it wasn't, you know, some of you go and make disciples and others do stuff, nice things. It was everybody, go and make disciples. Again, this week when you come and you praying in the prayer stations and things, perhaps take the opportunity to sort of pray about God is the life I'm living, the right life. And do people know why I live the life that I live? When, uh, when Chick Yule was here, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly what it what he said. I meant to listen back to it on the podcast, but I forgot. Um, basically, he said, get out there and live so that the only explanation for the way you live is that there is a God. 
Last week we sang, God's not dead. He is alive. We need to live showing people that God's not dead. He is alive. He's living in each and every one of us. And he's driving us to do what we do. I've been reading a book, always dangerous, by Tony Campolo, who's kind of gone off the scene a bit. That's probably because I meant to look up how old he is, but he's probably quite old, because he was quite old when I saw him, and that was a while ago. But he was great at telling stories. And I was sort of reading through this book, and I'm thinking, wow, I could use that in a sermon. I could use that one. Every one was just fantastic. But there was one that sort of struck me, and it was... It, he was quite popular in high school. Um, actually, two stories that struck me. He was quite popular in high school. He played basketball in the, in the college basketball team. And if you've seen any films involving American sort of school life, you'll know how important it is to be a jack, to be one of the sporty people. Um, it's, uh, it's just as important in this country to be a jock, um, but for different reasons. Isn't that right? Um, there's a joke that died. Anyway, <laughs> two stories. Tony Campolo was a Christian when he was at school. There was a kid in his year who was a bit different to the other kids. Uh, he, was, he was gay, and he got bullied by the other kids for it. And Tony Campolo kind of liked him, as a friend, obviously. Um, <laughs> thought he was a decent kid, but was too scared to stick up for him. And he just sort of, he never actually actively took part in the, in the bullying. He just sort of took a back seat and left the bullies to get on with it. The kid ended up committing suicide because of the bullying he got. And Tony Campolo says it haunts him to this day that he never stuck up for that kid. Because Jesus would have stuck up for that kid. And Jesus would have wanted him to stick up for that kid. Not necessarily because of his lifestyle or anything like that, but just because he was being bullied and he was weak and defenseless. And Jesus stuck up for the weak and the defenseless. And he says he wishes he could go back and stick up for that kid so that hopefully that kid would still be alive. Another story he told, he went to a high school reunion and he was sort of going around meeting, meeting the friends and they get their yearbook out and they all laugh at how stupid they looked 20 years before and all the rest of it and marvel at how much they've changed or how they still look the same, roughly. Whenever anyone tells you you've not changed in 20 years, you, you must have done, otherwise there's something wrong really, isn't there? But... He said it was really odd because one, one lad that he was quite he was really good friends with and played in the basketball team with came up to him and, and he said, oh, hi, how are you doing? Oh, I've not seen you for years. It's great. How are you doing? And he says, oh, he says, I'm, I'm really good, Tony. He says, he, says, I, he says, my life's really taken out a real change. He says, I just want to tell you. He says, about 18 months ago, he says, I, 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 I started going to church. He says, and I became a Christian. He said, and he says, if you've got a minute, he says, I'd really like to tell you about, about what happened and, and how Jesus has changed my life and, and, and how, how, how great it is to be a Christian. And Tony says, oh, hang on a minute. He says, that's fantastic. He says, he says, I'm a Christian as well. 
He says, really? He says, yeah. He says, I'm a Christian too. He says, he said, he said, I'm really pleased that you've become a Christian. And this guy says, when did you become a Christian, Tony? He says, when I was about 13, 14. He says, do you mean you were a Christian all the way through high school? And you never told me, you never told me how great life could be as a Christian. And I had to wait for someone else to tell me 18 months ago. I've missed out on years of this. He wasn't having a big go at him, but he was just saying, I wish you'd told me sooner so that I could get the most out of it. I wonder if sometimes we get so used to, to being Christians. I mean, I became a Christian when I was a kid. I really, because my mom and dad were Christians, I grew up in a Christian family. I can't really remember what it's like to not be at least a Christian in inverted commas. I lost my inverted commas when I was about seven. They say familiarity breeds contempt. I wouldn't say, I certainly wouldn't say I have contempt for the Christian life. Absolutely not. But I just wonder if we just get a little bit too familiar with what it means to be a Christian, a bit too comfortable with being Christian. And I almost kind of take it for granted that people must know we're Christians because we've been Christians for years. And perhaps forget just how big an experience it was for us when we became a Christian and that change when we found that relationship with God, when we realized that God had loved us so much that he wanted to send his son to die for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer death and that we could have eternal life. And we forget to tell people how great it is because I think sometimes we forget how great it was when we first believed. So I will encourage you because I want you to be encouraging rather than finger wagging because whenever you wag a finger three other fingers wag back at yourself um, and that's definitely true. Get the mix right. 80-20. There's no point saying without doing but there's as little point doing without saying you don't get 100% communication without doing both. I'll stop there, because otherwise I'll just ramble on. <laughs>